A lot of voices come at you all the time trying to convince you to be afraid of Muslims. You hear proposals for blocking refugees or closing the U.S. border to all Muslims. Brother Mark has done just the opposite. He's a gospel worker in the Middle East, and he says, if we don't engage Muslims with love, how will they ever know who Jesus is? Love always take the initiative. And I would encourage the church and every Canadian-American believer to get out of his comfort zone, to express love to Muslims. Okay, we need to uh, reach them out with love and respect and care and then open such a dialogue to understand and then present them Jesus. Muslims are ready now more than any time in their in their life, especially here. You have a freedom to speak, okay, when you respect them too. I would encourage every single Christian to go out and express his love to Muslim neighbors. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton, and uh, we have a special guest from the Middle East today. For his protection, we're just going to call him Brother Mark, but he was uh, born and raised in the Middle East, continues to work and minister across North Africa, across the Middle East, and we're going to explore today some of the great things that God is doing in that part of the world. If you turn on the news, you might think that part of the world is nothing but chaos and bad news, but we're going to share some good news about what's happening in that part of the world. Brother Mark, welcome to Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here with you, Ted. Let's talk a little bit about what your ministry is. You are uh, you're training Christians in that part of the world. What kind of training are you giving them? We are focusing on three categories, which is uh, evangelism and discipleship, leadership, and social media. Social media yes. training. Oh, yes. good. Yes, yes. Which is a, a very powerful thing in that part of the world. I, I mean, think yes. back to the Egypt, uh, the protests in Egypt that were so powered by. Yes, because social media. It was a social media revolution, actually. Every single person in Egypt okay, using the social media. But here it is 99% from the, the churches in Arab world. They don't have any kind of stretches for how they can social media to impact the regions. This kind of training we are focusing on, how they can use the social media to impact their communities, to reach out to their people. That's awesome. What level of receptiveness do the Christians, I'm thinking particularly Christians who have faced persecution, then you come in and say, okay, yeah, we want to reach those Muslims for Christ. Do they ever say, well, wait a minute, those Muslims are persecuting us? <laughs> yeah, no, actually, I think here is, comes the core of the Christian message, which is love. Persecution in all Arab world is there, but uh, it's because of that church became more strong, okay, and effective, and more having a vision and heart to reach out those people who is really persecuting them and uh, not dealing with them even in a nice way. 
because not every day have persecution like the world itself. But even the daily basics, they have everyday persecution. And I know in a lot of cases that persecution starts with the family. It starts with your your dad, your mom, your big brother. How do you help the Christians to deal with that? The people you trust the most in the world suddenly turn their backs on you or even attack you. How do you help the Christians deal with that? I think we help them through uh, some steps. One of the most important steps to give excuse for his family. Because it's not normal. It's not acceptable. It's a shame to be like in a Muslim and then decide to be a Christian. It's a shame for the family. That's why we say to them at the beginning, you didn't need to talk about it until you really became really strong in your face and willing and, and uh, ready to pay the cost. Mm-hmm. Second, keep loving them and keep serving them. I always teach them, don't act as a hero, act as a servant. Loving your family, serving them, let them seeing you in a different way as a Christian. And that works a lot. At the same time, they are really uh, expressing their beliefs in love and respect and boldness. And, and, and I would think in many of those cases, the family starts to notice a difference whether they say anything or not. Yes, it is very true. It's very true. But then they start to ask. Okay. <laughs> What's going <laughs> and then, on with yeah, you? <laughs> yeah. And then there's an issue happening there. But let me give you one story about that. And a young man, I met him last year during one of our uh, discipleship training was happening in one of the countries in North Africa. A guy which is uh, 20 years old. And this country, 100% Muslim country. And this guy, he became a believer when he was 18 years old. But in 19s, when he turned to 19s, his family started to notice there is something happening with him in his life. He's not like before. Something going on. Until they started watching him. And they found a gospel, a Bible, in his room. And then they started facing him and challenging him. He, he told them, listen, I, I knew Christ. I knew the truth. I'm a Christian. I'm not anymore Muslim. I love Christ. I love the people now. I know the reason why I exist. But his family insists to, okay, rebuking him and start to really be hard with him, asking him to come back to Islam. He refused. To the point, his mom threatened him. They will throw him out of the house, out of their home. for, And he said, okay, that's fine. I cannot, I cannot go back to Islam. I'm a Christian. I love you, Mom. Wow. I love you as a family. But they kicked him out. And he slept literally three nights on the streets until his mom found him again and brought him back home. And she was challenging him also to leave Christianity, to go back to Islam. But he was keeping insisting, no. To the point, his mom went to the police. So here's where it steps up. Like we talked about, the the first line of persecution is the family. Family. That hasn't worked. Yes. Okay, now we're going to get the police involved. The police involved in it. But here it is. In this country, there was really... (laughs) The police officer asked his mom, okay, how old is he? And she said 19. And the police officer said, according to the law, which is very strange, it's not happening a lot in our area, okay, <laughs> to stuck with law, we cannot do nothing with him. Wow. He is now living with his family. They are accepting him. 
but they are challenging him not to speak to anybody from our area, but you can practice your beliefs anywhere else. He's a great guy, and he has a good ministry, and he has disciples. He's a good, this is one of the stories uh-huh. okay, about, you know, a persuasion happening at home and then goes out. But, but when you have a real relationship with God, maintain it every day. Give your strength to continue. I love the, the fact that his family noticed a difference about him without him saying anything. And I think of, you know, the Bible talks about us being a new creation in Christ. Yes. His family clearly recognized that. Hey, something's going on. He's a new guy. We're talking today with Brother Mark. He is active in ministry in the Middle East and North Africa. When someone from a Muslim background comes to Jesus, they know they're going to be persecuted. Absolutely. So you don't have to tell them. It's just a part of the... So what is it about the gospel that call is so strong or the message is so strong that even knowing they're going to face persecution, they embrace Christ? love of Christ. This is the most thing attracting Muslims. Especially when you look at Christ, his life, especially his teaching. Let's say like, you know, the mountain ceremony, which is Matthew 5. This is the most impacting. This is the most part of the Bible, touching Muslims' heart. Because it's opposite, totally different than Islam. How can you love your enemy? How can you bless the people who are really cursing and threatening you? How can you give even if you don't have? How can you pray for people attacking you every day? This is the opposite totally from Islam's teaching. The most thing attracting Muslims to Christ is Christ himself. Mm -hmm. His character, his personality, his Mm -hmm. love, his grace. This is the most thing. Not... How bad Muhammad or Quran? This is not the issue there. It's just the draw of Jesus and his yes. love. Now, yes. we hear across the Middle East, across the Muslim world, really, the, the supernatural things, the dreams and the visions. Is that something that he, you see also? Oh, yes. It's happening a lot, especially in the places which is hard to spread the gospel or speak about it. Mm-hmm. There's one country, okay, in North Africa, which is the whole village, saw the same vision and dream in the same night. Wow. Uh Think about it. Think about it. And they were sharing this together. Okay? This This is the way God works. When we cannot go, he goes. When we cannot speak, he spoke. When we cannot show them even what that means to be a Christian, he appears to them to lead them to him. This is his work, Ted. And we, we are seeing that a lot in our regions, a lot in our regions. That's an amazing, encouraging story. And so then these Muslims are coming to faith, and then you're helping to train them Yes, in the initial stages. Like, I just came to Christ last week. What, what are the first priorities that you have for okay. that training? We have some levels. The first level we call about the essential beliefs or uh, teaching for any new believers, especially from Muslim background. In that stage, we talk about assurance of salvation, how to grow in your faith, who is Jesus according to the Bible. We go through process. Mm-hmm. So at what point do you start to talk to them about evangelizing Muslims and sharing okay. their faith? Uh, we, we speak about that, honestly, from the level two. Because I believe this part of the growth. Mm-hmm. But we are focusing a lot about attitude. One of the problems we have 
an Arab wallet. Sometimes they acting, they are acting as like, you know, yes, we are going to destroy Islam. This kind of, you know, <laughs> it's not mature. We want to be mature in their deeps inside mm-hmm. to be really Christian, humble, loving, uh, caring, uh, servant. And uh, during the process of discipleship, one of the things they do, they go out with the discipler to notice how he is mm. presenting the gospel. So kind of as an apprentice. Apprentice, yes, just watch. yes, yes. Mm. watch, watch, watch. We cannot reach our wallet, Muslim wallet, unless we have multiplication, spiritual multiplication. Let's talk about some of the countries uh, in that region where you work, and I particularly want to ask about Egypt, because I know Egypt has changed a lot in the last three, four years, uh, Morsi was in charge, then Morsi was deposed, now the army's in charge. What What is the situation for Christians there? Is it is it better than it was five years ago? Is it worse than it was? It's not the army in a charge now. It's an elected uh, president. Elected president, uh, who yes. was a general. He was a general. Okay, before. all right. That's, that's okay. a good clarification. Yeah. Uh, second, the Christian situation is much, 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 much better than before. Because to be under Muslim Brotherhood regime, the plan was to have Egypt or to make Egypt like Iran, to force Christian Egyptian to be kicked out of Egypt. But it's a marked improvement since President Sisi took over. Absolutely. Boy, that's great. The, the now, Christian is good in Egypt now. What, what about for Muslim converts, though? Do they still face a lot of... Pressure? Yes, yeah, they are facing uh, pressures not like before, but still uh, facing some pressures. Uh, I would say more from their families, from uh, fanatic Muslims, from uh, people, not from uh, secret police like before. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Brother Mark, who is actively working in the Middle East. Uh, evangelizing Muslims, training new believers, uh, and training churches how to reach out uh, to their Muslim friends and neighbors. Brother Mark, one of the things we talk about fairly often here on VOM Radio is uh, the people who are listening who live in America, but they have a Muslim neighbor or a coworker or a classmate. How do you train us as American believers to reach out to our Muslim friends? I think and I believe when we are saying that we love people because Christian is about two things, living for God and living for people, loving God and loving people. And there is one concept about love. Love always take the initiative. And I would encourage the church and every Canadian-American believer to get out of his comfort zone and to express love to Muslims. Muslim people are nice people, like people like us, okay? <laughs> Amen. Uh, there's no difference between, okay, honestly, I grew up in this environment, okay? There's no difference at all. Okay, we need to uh, reach them out with love and respect and care and then open an, uh, open an, such a an, uh, dialogue to understand and then present them Jesus in a good way and the right way. They need to know who Jesus is because all what they have about Christ from Quran, which is Quran, is speaking very highly about Christ, but not the whole truth. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, they need to know what Christ did for us. And I would encourage them to get out, uh, 
express love, care, build relationship, use this opportunity to talk about Christ. Muslims are ready now more than any time in their in their life, especially here. You have a freedom to speak when you respect them too. I would encourage every single Christian to go out and express his love to Muslim neighbors. When the conversation turns to spiritual things, do we have to be ready to answer all their questions or, or how do we kind of prepare for that conversation? And I think we need to prepare ourselves to be ready knowing your people, your audience. Uh, before you go and, and talk to anybody, you need to know him very well, his background, his barriers, how to build on a good communication, understanding the barriers would not help him to understand the message. You have to know more about them. You have to know more about their beliefs because their beliefs, one of the barriers for receiving the message. One of the barriers, uh, yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, you know, it's very, very essential to understand what's the things not helping them to accept the message. Once you know that, then you have technique for that. And always, I would say, be careful with, because sometimes when you start to answering and and, and asking, the environment became very tense yeah. and not healthy. Don't reach this level because, again, we want to win him, not the dialogue, right. not the conversation. Okay? <laughs> We're not trying to win an argument. No, We're no, no, no. A soul. No, a soul. That's why more understanding, it's a journey. It, it takes so uh, time. Some of those basic barriers would be things like Muslims are told that the Bible's been changed. Yes. How do you... How yes. do you go around that? Usually when they ask me that, okay, I ask them back some questions, okay, like, you know, when that happened, before Islam or after Islam. If you tell me this, uh, not the right one, where is the right one, okay, because if the fake coins, okay, you cannot know the fake coins unless you have the original one. How did you know about that? Such question like this would be a challenge. He cannot answer it because if he said before Islam, that means when Muhammad came and Islam came, they knew this Bible had been corrupted. How Muhammad can just, uh, you know, uh, speaking highly about the, the, the gospel and it was corrupted it was or changed. Corrupted. Okay? If, if it happened after Islam, you're talking about, about more than 700 years. What about the original uh, one we have since the first uh, century, okay, which is exactly like what we do have? Uh -huh. Such as you can use some other uh, logic ideas. Like one time, I remember during my um, like you know evangelistic appointment uh, with a guy was from North Africa. We were meeting in Europe. And he said this, he said, you know, but the Bible is really changed. It's not a real Bible, okay? And they have like, you know, this, I don't know from where they got it, like the Pope of Rome, okay? Have the original and hide it, okay? <laughs> In some place. And I told him, listen, I was wearing a, a watch, okay? And it was like, guess. And I, I, I took it off and I said, okay, brother, do you think how many, the factory, okay? How many watch they produced? I don't know. I said, let's say 10,000. Okay. And uh, after five years, they discovered something wrong. Okay. And the materials will affect the skin, create cancer, or you're just having cancer because wearing this watch, something wrong in materials. And the factory decided to collect it, the 10,000s, from all over the world. Do you think they can do that? <laughs> he said, no, absolutely, they cannot. Okay. I said, that's just think about it. After 700 years, they collected the, the whole Bible from everywhere, boxy from everywhere, and they changed it. This kind, some, some ideas, and I would say this is uh, always 
the most important uh, point when you speak about Muslims. Let him, you have to lead the, uh-huh. the, the conversation and you have to lead him to tell you that, but the Bible is not the right. It changes because this is the most the most issue. We can answer the, it the with, issue. yes. And we can answer with 100% with facts. Yeah. With facts, yeah. okay? Because we have facts. And then he has to believe what's inside the Bible. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Brother Mark, who is actively working in the Middle East. Brother Mark, as, as we finish up today, one of the things we always want to do is equip people to pray. Yes. So let's talk about the Middle East and North Africa. Help us know some specific ways that we can pray uh, for those nations as a whole, but especially for our Christian brothers and sisters who are there. I would uh, honestly, I would say this. Uh, there is a lot of brave believers, MBBs, Muslim background believers, in such a very tough and hard countries. Pray for their, their safety. Uh, for be always be encouraged and rooted in Christ more and more. Second, pray for the church in Arab world to take this opportunity. We have an we have a what an opportunities we do have in Arab countries. We have an, an amazing opportunities, amazing opportunities, just to get really ready for that and just use it in the right way to spread the gospel, to do more talking to Muslims, loving Muslims, uh, leading them to Christ, discipling them. We have a great opportunity, Ted. I would just, okay, think about what's, how many refugees we have. And, and the majority are Muslims. And I pray for the church to we awake and take this, uh, to look at this, an opportunity to share Christ with them with love and humble attitude. And I would chime in just also, that's a good prayer request for the North American church too. Yes. That, that as... Uh, we have opportunities to encounter Muslims, that, that we will do that with love and humility and, and serving them. Brother Mark, is there anything else you want to add to our prayer list for the Middle East? Yes, I, uh, I would encourage you to pray for the, uh, the training events happening for equipping the MBBs in the Middle East, especially in a country which is I would say this name, the name of the country, okay, because you need to pray for this country a lot because very few people pray for that country, which is Mauritania. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, God is doing an awesome job in Mauritania. And there is a lot of good Christian people, our brothers in Christ. And this is the most country, not many ministries involved in it. Mm-hmm. So the the need there is for training training leaders training leaders training evangelists evangel- both a training of evangelism and discipleship providing materials they need also financial help because this country is really it's a chaos MBBs one of the MBBs struggles always is work and job mm-hmm. because once they have been known as ex Muslims no one will hire them. No one will hire them. No yes. one will rent them an apartment. Yes. No one Nothing. will. They'll just cut them off. Nothing. I would need to uh, to be there for them. Mm-hmm. So when you, not just Mauritania, but but other nations in that in that region as well, when you go in for a training seminar, is it really top secret? 
everyone kind of sneaks in or are you able to do it a little bit openly? It, it depends on, okay? It's different between country and others. There are some countries we cannot even do it there. We take them out <laughs> in a neighbor country. Mm-hmm. And there is uh, some countries we do it in a very secret way and very, very, very low profile uh, process. Once you have Christian in that country, any country have Christian population by name there, that gives you an opportunity to have it not in a loud way, okay, right. but but at least to have at it, least to have yeah. it inside the church. Just as an example, a country like Egypt that yes. has oh, a, yes. an organized church, it oh, has yes. a Christian Strong presence. Church. Yeah. Yes. There you can have it under kind of yes. under the yes. auspices of the local church. Yeah. In, in, in Egypt, we have at least 60 big Christian conference centers. Wow. Okay. At least. The church is strong. You talk about the country with 15 to 20 million Christians. Yeah, as opposed to Mauritania where it's nothing. <laughs> maybe a few hundred Christians. Yes, yes, MBBs. Yeah. There's no Christian by their nature mm. because of their beliefs. They were Muslims. And the same in Morocco, the same in Algeria, the same in Tunisia, the same in Libya, the same in Saudi, the whole. So, okay. Yeah, very much more complex to yes. go in and try to train believers oh, yes. there. Now, I, I know those training seminars, that's a part of what VOM is partnering with yes, you to do. Yes, so yes. that's that's something as we pray for that. Uh, VOM is helping to support those trainings and make them happen. Yes. That's a part of our work yes. to help these frontline workers and help yes. them go out. Yes. Brother Mark, what a what a privilege it is to, to have a chance to meet you and talk about the work that God is doing through you. I want to encourage our listeners, pray for Brother Mark as well. He, uh, he didn't add himself to the list, but I will. Uh, because he's traveling into these countries. He's meeting with these believers. It's not safe work. But it is God-ordained work, and when God ordains, God also protects, and uh, so we trust that that will continue. Brother Mark, thank you for being our guest today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you, Todd. Thank you. And I want to say something. I want to encourage the North American to pray for VOM. Let me tell you this. I am now 26 years in the field, and I knew the majority of Christian organization, and I have been in touch with the majority of them doing the work in Middle East and North Africa. And it's always VOM is very unique and different. VOM, one of the few, few organizations and ministries, they are not self-focusing. <laughs> they are not driven by their names. They are not focusing on themselves. And that's what makes VOM very unique for me because they are there for us, not for them. And I want to then pray for you as VOM and the work you do through the partners on the ground and the countries, which is really very tough to be a Christian there. Thank you very much, Ted. Thank you very much. Thank you for that. And uh, it is it is our honor to get to stand beside Christians like you and, and help out in whatever way we can, we want to be uh, we want to be used by the Lord to help the church. We've been speaking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Brother Mark. He is active in ministry in North Africa and the Middle East. As always, you can hear this conversation again at our website vomradio.net. Also, while you're there, click on the links to subscribe to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio podcast. Bob Fu is from China. He recently talked with a Chinese Christian, Brother Gao, who got out of prison. But instead of trying to escape from China, 
Gao has a vision to stay there and see God do something amazing. I mean, he's more confident than ever, and he even encouraged me to. He said, "Bob, you after communist collapse, the number one thing we should prepare is to start up a church planting movement in every village wow. in China." Bob Fu will be here next week to tell you more about that story, and give you an insider's look at some of the things God is doing in China. That's next week, right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Hi, this is Todd Nettleton, the host of Voice of the Martyrs Radio. I want to say thank you to our digital listeners this week. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing to the podcast. Thank you for helping make VOM Radio impacting to the world around us. I want to remind you: a couple months ago, we interviewed Nick and Ruth Ripkin here on VOM Radio. Nick is the author of a book called *The Insanity of God*. If you missed that interview, I would strongly encourage you to go back, go to vomradio.net, and listen to it.、Uh, it's a powerful interview about their lives of of missionary service, their lives of sacrifice, and what they've learned from our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world. In that interview, we talk about the book that Nick wrote, *The Insanity of God*, but we also talk about the fact that they're making a movie about it. And I wanted to give you this update: that movie is now out, it's released, and it's going to be shown around the country in theaters this coming Tuesday, August the 30th. So I wanted to let you know that because I think some of you who heard that interview will be interested in seeing the film. It directly connects with what we talk about every week here on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. If you want to find out more, you can go to the website insanityofgodmovie.com. You can watch the trailer. You can also click on the link that says "Buy Tickets." You put in your zip code, and it'll help you find the theater that's closest to you that's going to be showing the film. Again, that website is insanityofgodmovie.com. I watched the film before I taped the interview with Nick and Ruth. Amazing film, amazing story, and I would strongly encourage you go to insanityofgodmovie.com, click on that link, buy tickets, and watch that film this Tuesday, August the 30th. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next week here on VOM Radio.